Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring car cars and bikes if it has wheels and an engine and they keep score it's on midweek motorsport hello everybody and welcome along to a springtime edition of midweek motorsport it's series 15 Episode 13, it's the 1st of April, but there's no joking about tonight, and certainly no April Fools. We have a full and absolutely squeakingly packed programme, and on that packed programme tonight, Tim Gray, we have what? Uh, we have all the usual features. Uh, we have a big interview with Dario Franchitti. Mm-hmm. We have uh, Nick, we have Declan, we have Shay. We've got some news in Spanish. We've got Ryan DL Moving House. And a brand new feature, the weather for East Africa. The what? Weather for East Africa. The weather for East Africa. We've also got a Twitter talking point tonight at Specutainment throughout the programme. And we'll we'll pick this up towards the end of the show. But I want to hear your views on this. What are you filling your motorsport, live motorsport void with at the moment? Uh, it could be many things. And many things we might not want to talk about on the radio. But... If I narrow that down to, is it either watching or competing in sim racing, or are you trawling the various sites on the web to find some motorsport video? So is it video, or are you playing or competing, rather, or uh, watching sim uh, online competition? Uh, is what are, you, uh, what are you filling your void with tonight? Uh, so that is... Uh, that is the big Twitter talking point tonight at Specutainment. Hello to Randy Brown, who's uh, working uh, 12 hours plus every day, short-handed in Seattle, and probably sleepless as well. But he's hauling the mill and doing a very, very important job. Randy, keep up that uh, essential work. Hello to Alex Nunes uh, this evening, also in the States. And Sarah Rigby is logged in, ready to go as well. Uh, hello to Stephen Sarver, to Fran Bleasdale, to Kevin Payne, listening live again. No AFAs from Brody. Uh, hiding in the garage, wishing someone hadn't changed the weather when they changed the clock at the weekend. I know, it's been bizarre, hasn't it? Dave Olcott watched Endurance this afternoon. I planned to uh, watch Truth in 24, but I ended up watching Endurance twice. Superb, right up there with Truth in 24. That's the new Porsche story of two back-to-back 24-hour races uh, and it is very good indeed uh, thanks for tuning in tonight Alexander Orkin has had a uh, bit of a disaster I'm afraid the lockdown is biting hard uh, there was no cucumber for his Hendrix G&T but he did have salmon with his chips uh, this evening instead so you know it's not all it's not all sackcloth and ashes down at Shea Orkin uh, hello to uh, Cliff Norris, who's tuned in tonight, to Phil, uh, who is listening in over uh, at Lincoln area. 
uh, and Tennille Gardner, who's uh, done his exercise for the day, fed and watered, and he's uh, sketching the LaFerrari uh, as well. Uh, and uh, who else is in tonight? We mentioned Kevin. Kevin Poulton's in tonight, uh, listening in 80% wage lockdown. He was watching eSports racing at the weekend and enjoying it. That's the Twitter talking point tonight. Scott, third wheel racing. Loving Dario's throwback Instagram post through his racing career. Uh, Dario, our big interview this evening just after nine o'clock. Scott McDonald sending EFAs. The F1 YouTube channel showing the 86 Australian Grand Prix. Manson's looking good, but those rear tyres are looking a bit iffy, he thinks. Prophetic, perhaps, there, Scott. So he's doing the watching video thing. Uh, and Kevin Poulter doing the watching of uh, eSports. Right turn lover, primed and ready. Jeff Easterling looking forward to the show. Uh, passing time with some older BPR GT1 race uh, replays as well as sim racing. Add spec entertainment. What are you filling your void with? A bit of a breezy day on Monterey Bay. Carol Brink is watching the white tops uh, from up on the hill. Hello, Carol. Uh, and Stephen Gardner getting tuned in for the third week in a row from Toronto, working from home. Sounds like an interesting lineup, yes. Uh, Serafina Chu have su- has survived another week. Well done. Mikkel Meisler, no airfares watching the season finale of the Danish eSport Racing Championship while listening to Midweek Motorsport and doing the dishes. That's multitasking at its best. Invitational drivers for this round of the championship include Jan Magnussen, Nicky Team, Dennis Lind, uh, Mikkel Jensen and Lasse Sorensen. Be worth watching that later on. Uh, David Tubrews is in tonight, hoping the RSL team having been furloughed. Absolutely not. Simon Hoff listening while painting the staircase this evening uh, as well. Jack Gabriel at home playing with the uh, new cars, Skill Extric kit, uh, with, with kit, sorry, who looks to be the uh, Gabriel Miner there. Uh, Jules Outerbridge. Reminding me that it's Wednesday, Midweek Motorsport is on, still in the office. Oh dear. Uh, Jake Parrott, no AFAs, Pro- productive day, video conferences today, now a Jakey Hot Doddy. Okay. Uh, Fox Sports 1 showing iDirt racing tonight, but uh, I've muted it to make sure they get the ratings as, as you do as well. Nick H, uh, after the clock, spring forward and hopefully a COVID free zone. Absolutely is at the moment. We've tested negative for everything here. Everything, including common sense. Uh, Jason Stevens Reid. What? It's Wednesday. Oh, right. I'm in. And slow pass. Uh, no AFAs tonight. Hanging at home uh, with some car parts I need to uh, install. Josh Caffrey listening to his first live since a little race in France last year. Chris Suku, no AFAs. Uh, Helgi uh, making a lap sim in XL-like. Uh, constructing a Toyota Celica GTU uh, from scratch as well so that is the uh, parish notices tonight hello to Tom Firth listening in tonight as well we'll keep an eye on those tweets what are you filling the motorsport void with are you watching video are you watching or playing sim that's what we want to know let's head to the big story on Midweek Motorsport all the latest motorsport news from around the world Midweek Motorsport and the top story is actually some news, Tim. We have found some news. There's actual news this week. Uh, so let's have it let's killed, Let's bring in, stuffed. first of all, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick Damon. Good evening, Tim. Good evening, John. Good evening, everyone. But there's no hello, hooray, because this top news is not about Formula One, I believe. Correct. 
Don't preempt anything, Nick. Uh, well, we're also going to bring in uh, Declan Brennan. Good evening, Declan. Oh, right. Hello, good evening, and welcome. <laughs> is it frosty where you are? Hey! <laughs> hey! It is. It's a little bit frosty. I'm very excited about this news. Because it just means we get to talk about one of our favourite people. But sorry, I'm not preempting anything. Carry on. MotoGP rider Andrea Yanoni has been banned for 18 months after testing positive for anabolic steroids. When was he tested for anabolic steroids and when was he first found guilty? The uh, International Motorcycling Federation announced today uh, the 30-year-old tested positive in a urine sample collected as an in-competition test at the Malaysian MotoGP in Sepang on November 3rd. Uh, an FIM disciplinary hearing imposed a ban from December the 17th, 2019 to June the 16th, 2021. Yanone's team of previous said they would be appealing to the Court of Arbitration in Sport as the FIM had recognised the possibility of food contamination. On ah. one hand, they recognised my innocence because they speak of involuntary contamination, but we lost because I was sentenced, Yanone told Sky Sports Italia. But it could have been worse. Now we'll immediately resort to the CAS to try to get back in the saddle as soon as possible. Can Aprilia I... right, cool. have issued the following statement. Mm-hmm. It's an absurd penalty. It's a sentence that even acknowledges Yanone's innocence. We want Andrea back in the saddle and we'll support him in his appeal to the CAS. Except, can I just say that, honestly, given he was given an 18-month sentence... Um, which was suspended anyway through till this June. Um, and it's unlikely that there's going to be that much racing done. Why, Nick Damon, would he not just shut up and take the penalty? She's an idiot. Mm. Bit of a guess. I mean, given the fact that he's going to miss Hartley, I mean, he's going to miss, you know, he will miss some races. And I think he's worried about his contract as well. I'm sure there's elements. It's all going to be about money and finances. But effectively, he, he, he is back in June next year. We've no idea what sort of season we're going to get uh, in MotoGP. And you know, probably, you know, they're certainly not going to start before June this year. So his actual ban is less than a year. And the, the drug stuff's pretty black and white. You know, the act, oh, I took it accidentally, actually isn't any form of um, defence because. You know, everyone could say to go accidentally even when you didn't so whilst they're being they're saying oh yeah perhaps you did eat this that and the other and, and thank you for giving us samples of your hair um you know it's, it's quite black and white drug taking to be honest uh declan this is um if i may put it this way this is the alberto contador defense uh it it hasn't ever worked for anybody the contaminated food there's there's some i think they've claimed that it, this was um a piece of meat that was overly um, induced to with growth serums and steroids, and, and, and as I say, it's never worked in cycling. Didn't work for Alberto Contador. Why? Why do you think Ianoni and, and Prilla think it's going to work for him? Well, the the two things about that are well, you're absolutely correct in all of those statements you just made. It's never worked before as a defence. Uh, it seems to have worked to some degree insofar as. They've cleared him of doing anything deliberate. So they're saying he's not a cheat, but they're suspending him anyway. And really, a Priya's reaction is baffling to me. I, I kind of I fully agree with what Nick said. I think he just take the punishment and get on with it at this point. Going to the court of arbitration for sport seems pretty churlish. And 
a little bit of me almost hopes they go, no, you are absolutely cheating. Here's a 20-year ban. Get out. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's another 10 years for wasting our time. But uh, so, yeah, you just take the punishment. Take it now and just say, fine, you know, it might be half a season's worth of racing he actually misses. Hmm at the end of all of this. And the Priya being so vociferous about this is stunning to me as a as a team. Well, they must think they've got a chance of getting him back, Dex. That's the only thing that I would say. But but ignorance has never been an excuse for breaking any law, has it? No. Ignorance, ignorance is no defence. Mm. Not when it comes particularly when it comes to uh what you put in your mouth. Doping. Yeah, particularly when it comes to doping and and in the last two decades we have gone from we have certainly uh, you know uh, we are now in an era where it's entirely up to you what you cannot make anybody else or or place uh, the responsibility on anybody else other than yourself for what you consume even if it's stuff that's subs- prescribed to you we had didn't we have the case uh, of the uh, scottish skier who got a olympic silver who lost it because he used a American, North American version of an over-the-counter prescription drug that had a to- one specific element different, and that was what, what had him banned. Mm. Uh, and and that sort of thing, that's common. And if that's up to you. You cannot plead ignorance. It is entirely up to you. Tom Firth on the Radio Show Limited Listeners Collective, which I'm watching as well tonight, has said he'd probably miss some races perhaps in 2021, possibly. But as Nick says, it all comes down to the contract. But I do agree, says Tom, about Aprilis' reactions being confusing. Seems as if they thought, to, uh, Nick, that he'd just walk away scot-free. It's, it's an odd one for Aprilis. Do they need him that much, do you think? Well, they haven't got an obvious replacement. But he's hardly set the world on fire since he went went to uh, Aprilia. So you kind of go, I don't know, perhaps they're just, they're just doing the support thing. So when they actually do let him go and don't pay him off, they can say they've done everything they can do. But it's, you know, it's even to the point where obviously, you know, there's going to be so little this year left and they've got plenty of time to, to search around for, for a replacement rider. Um I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strange reaction because they got away with it. They've got away quite lightly, and they, and yeah, we, we, we. I know we're talking around circles, but the, you never get off on this. You never get off on this. No. Uh, Tim Greer, point from you. Uh, obviously, this is news that has come out today. But yesterday there was a article, I think, in the Italian uh, media, um, which was an interview with him where he was saying he should have stayed at Ducati, as if life would be better if he had. Well, he didn't have a choice, did he? Um, because there was a toss-up between him and Dovi. Surprisingly, when it actually happened, it actually was very close at Corby and only in Dovi, uh, who was going to partner Jorge Lorenzo three or four seasons ago. So, you know, that's that's what that was all about. So he didn't have the option because he lost in a... I think mainly he lost because he actually uh, took Dovi out. Was it in Argentina or something? Just at the he corner? So, Yes, correct. And... and uh... Yeah, he was never he was never going to keep his job. That's just another indication of what an absolute nutter he is. Don't forget, he's he is a management company. He he manages Romano Fanati. We mentioned this before. He manages himself. He he's not capable of making correct decisions for his own career, let alone anybody else's. And uh, there was no way Jacati were keeping him. None. It was uh, just 
His, he's got maniac on his leathers for a reason because he clearly is one. <laughs> that, that's not a sponsor. That's just a description. No, yeah. uh, you're listening to Midweek Midweek. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even get it out. Midweek Motorsports Series 15 episode uh, 13. All of our guests tonight are linked by a single letter. The letter is D, uh, and we'll be having our first guest in a little while. But first, a little more bike news uh, from Tim. Uh... Yes, this is about a uh, Tooting-born uh, motorcyclist. Right. Nobody's buzzed in yet. Uh, Gino Ray. Ah, okay. yes. Rhea. Interesting. It... Gino Rhea. Rhea. Gino Rhea, Rhea. not Gino Ray. Yes. the same as Johnny Ray. Yeah. Com- com- but that's competitor... why it's Rhea. Yeah, he's comp- a competitor and entrant. He yes. is a man who, a young man who both uh, competes and uh, runs a team. He's a, he's a good dude. I like I like Gino. Uh, last year he didn't uh, race uh, because he didn't have a seat uh, at the start of the season. Although he did um, come in at the end of the season on a um, Ducati, didn't he? Um, but he wants to carry on where we left off at the end of 2018, uh, where he obviously had an excellent season because he started this year by uh, winning at Donington Park um, last year he was uh, expected to uh, race uh, and then went to Milan came back from Milan and was told that his contract was being terminated before the season even started now was that correct me if I'm wrong but was that for he was doing endurance racing was he not he was, yeah. pr- he was in the part of the, the WEC uh, not is it the WEC? Uh, it's the FIM Endurance Cup. Yes. I, I EWC. Forgive my, yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was. He was running in, which is really weird because that's like one of the that's like the old World Endurance Championship from the old days. It gets no coverage anywhere. Yeah, you know. Uh, you I love it. Go, it's great. Still, the racing is about, great. It's genuinely you, really good. You, you, yeah, but you haven't got Eurosport. That's why Dex is. But you got you got about nineteen hours of the Boldor and the. Uh, and the Le Mans 24 hour on, on Eurosport. All of the races. Popping up, popping up all over. There's huge amounts of it. They, they fill it in, in between the snooker normally. AWC uh, is a Eurosport product, though, isn't it? Because it does, you know, because it includes, like I said, Le Mans, which gets 40,000, 50,000 people for the, for the, or more for the, for the bike uh, event. It has the Baldor, which is a huge event. It has the Suzuka 8 hours, which uh, I, I, Last night I sat down and watched uh, the brilliant Wayne, the documentary about Wayne Gardner. Oh. Uh, the Suzuki 8 Hours that he won basically on his own because the other guy was rubbish, uh, had 300,000 people there and in attending and had 30 million watching on television. <laughs> yeah, that was just in Japan, probably. Yeah, in, yes, just in Japan. Yeah, exactly. It, so those endurance events are enormous, but uh, but they I, they may as well not exist. Uh, granted, yes, it is over here. I do don't have Eurosport, for which I apologise. But uh, so, there, are you saying there is decent coverage of of uh, bike endurance it's racing? It's wall to wall, mate. When it's on, it's wall to wall. Um, and the 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 series employs the team of commentators, um, and they have pit lane interviewers, two pit lane interviewers as well. It's really good. Uh, and I. In fact, we talked about the Suzuka because it was the end of the season last year, wasn't it? Uh, and it came down literally to the last few laps in the rain and somebody blown an engine and the championship changed over. Uh, the ball doors been on uh, as well. Um, Suzuka was Suzuka had a stellar uh, uh, lineup last year. It was absolutely sensational. And uh, if it's like that again this year, I, I, I would please somebody, if you're listening, broadcast it in the United States because it's, it's a fantastic event. 
Was that the point we, we were getting to there, Tim, by the way? That he's now got a ride after not having a ride because his contract was terminated because he was uh, doing um, the EWC as well, yes. Ah, OK. So we've pretty much covered that story now. Excellent. So all that's it. Th- and that's all the news there actually is of any sort. On two wheels. On two all wheels. the news there is. There's, there's some Formula One news which will... Uh, it's not really news, it's press releases, isn't it? Yes, yes, um, and we've got to don't co- say that's me as a man who produces press releases for a living. <laughs> don't, don't chop my don't chop my legs away from these people. Right, we'll we'll get Nick back in the second half. Dexter, I've got one more story before we move right, into yeah. our first guest. Quick, quickly, he's waiting. Uh, yes, uh, twenty-three months ago. Yeah. Uh, so that's how fresh this news is. Uh, Cyclone Makuno hit the Gulf state of Amman, bringing with it winds of up to one hundred and ten miles an hour. The storm and its aftermath produced perfect breeding conditions for locusts, to the extent that they soon spread out of Oman to Yemen, Somalia, Ethiopia, and most recently, Kenya, where they're now threatening preparations for the Safari Rally. Ah, that was this is the weather in East African news that you promised us at the top of the show. Indeed. The United Nations has described the plague, the worst locust plague in 50 years, as an unprecedented threat to food security and livelihoods. I'm uh, getting the impression at the moment, Tim, that, that the next race is going to be called off because of four blokes on horses turning up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 18 stages and 1,000 kilometres of running will make up this year's Safari Rally as it marks its return to the WRC. Rally organisers are optimistic that the forthcoming big rainy season will kill off the locusts. Currently. Sorry, isn't he, isn't he just saying Nairobi rapper? Big there's rainy just a, season. There's different types of locusts. There's the Locust Super 7... Very um, good. The, uh, <laughs> 420R. Yeah. They're very light, these locusts. Extremely light. Current forecasts predict that the big rainy season will start next Tuesday and continue until the end of May. If it rained, if I was potentially competing somewhere where it was going to rain locusts, I wouldn't go. That's that's yeah, a very it's very the simple. rain's going to kill the locusts. This is real rain. Oh, okay, this is not water. a plague, so I'm Sorry, I'm confusing the fact that Nick thought it was a plague. I beg, beg your pardon. Uh, we will have more of uh, Nick <laughs> and Dex uh, in a little while. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Remember, our talking point tonight uh, is uh, for you on Twitter, at Specutainment. What are you, uh, fi- what are you um, filling the void of live motorsport with uh, at the moment? Uh, are you trawling the internet for old? Uh, are you trawling the internet for old uh, bits and pieces of motor racing, or uh, are you watching or competing in sim racing at Spectatorman? And by the way, before we get our next guest up, uh, Tom Fur, uh, sorry, Matthew Hyman says, um, for reference, the former multiple ITT, which is individual time trial world champion Michael Rogers, was cleared of a doping case after putting uh, his defence down to food that he ate while taking part in an event in China. So there is an opportunity for that. Coming up, John DeGeese from Sportscar 365. After our first guest with the letter D in the name, Ryan DL, who uh, uh, was supposed to be on the show last week, but he was a little bit busy. Uh, welcome to Midweek Motorsport. Ryan, how are you, mate? Not too bad, John. What about yourself? I can't complain. I can't complain, to be honest. Um, first of all, congratulations. Uh, you've you've used the break in, in the schedule to, to move house recently. How did that all go? Uh, if there's been, you know, one positive that came out of this, my, my house move was meant to be right around Sebring. Uh, and so, uh, 
I had a pretty tight schedule of trying to move things out. You know, we moved in a rental house because we're building a new house and probably financially the worst possible timing ever to do this. Uh, but, you know, as far as having plenty of time in my hands, uh, that was quite nice. I got to take my time instead of having a two, three day window before Sebring. I had a, a couple of weeks there, but uh, everything is done. We're in our rental place for now. And uh, yeah, time out figure out something else to do, clean up the rental house, I guess. Well, I was going to say, and what are you filling your time with at the moment? As we've said to a number of drivers, the problem about being a motor racing driver, all right, there's sims, and plenty of people are doing online stuff at the moment, but that's not the same as getting your backside in a car. It's not as if you can kick a football against a wall or or you know, get a golf club out and give it a, a swing with a practice ball. There's not really much you can do as a racing driver other than keep yourself fit, I guess. Uh, you have no idea how close I've been to applying for Amazon, to be honest. Uh, at least get myself behind the wheel of something and do some deliveries. But uh, now you're right. It's it's one of those things where, you know, if, if we knew the timeline of this stuff, uh, then, you know, you could plan something differently. But, I mean, we're all hoping the best and we're hoping that this is shorter rather than longer. Um, you know, not not a huge amount to do other than uh, drive my wife nuts. Uh, got a new puppy recently, so that was a good timing too. You know, giving her plenty of exercise and hope for the best. Just each day, you. I, I definitely thought this morning waking up like maybe this is a whole big April Fool's hoax. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't. No, not not at all. It's that uncertainty, I suppose, Ryan. We in motorsport, we live in a world where. Um, there's plenty of 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 deadlines and you know if you're not ready by the green flag the green flag ain't going to move and in that respect there's a certain amount of certainty in in the planning of our lives and that disappearing is is actually i find one of the most difficult things to to deal with yeah i mean it, you know, as i've got older i've definitely realized i got a little bit of ocd in my end and planning and even when it comes down to travel rental cars i mean i've always got things planned months and months in advance uh so you know i i think that two three weeks ago um i was anxious uh see where this was going to go and you know what's the repercussions going to be and the, the long and short term effects of this but honestly now at this point uh as much as i'm trying to be positive i'm also kind of planning for uh no racing you know the rest of the year i think there's a couple of factors that you know number one do you go back racing and then number two is do the people that were funding your racing want to go back racing you know what's the implications being on on their business i mean we we all know other than the factories that this is fun money for for a lot of people and uh you know, a lot of people are obviously massively affected. And how can a how can a businessman lay off, uh, you know, fifty percent of his workforce and then go back and spend some money racing? It's just uh, it's unrealistic to think that. So I think once we do go back, that's probably the scariest thing for for drivers and crews is where's this going to go and who knows, right? That's actually a very good point that I hadn't even uh, and considered until you, you've mentioned it, because particularly our part of the sport in, in endurance and sports car racing, it's always traditionally had a huge uh, amount of money poured into it by what people sometimes call gentlemen drivers. Uh, and I hadn't even considered about what that effect uh, might have. Uh, what, one of the things uh, that... I, we were talking about, I think it was last week on the show, was, um, you know, 
could we do some races behind closed doors? All right, it takes a lot of people to run uh, a race car, but racing, I think, is possibly one of the sports where it's not like tennis or football or American footballs. When I say football, I mean soccer, of course, where the crowd plays a big part in the atmosphere. The atmosphere for me at a racetrack it is... It is created um, by the the cars and the drivers. Uh, I mean, how would you feel if we could go back and do some races, but with no fans there? Well, I, you know, and, and I know you and I talked about this a little bit already, John, but it's, you know, to me, the big thing these days, I mean, other than your big events, right, your Sebrings, your Daytona, your Le Mans, people watch at home and i think the majority of the money for sport comes from uh television and what better time to get amazing ratings than to be live on tv when so many people are stuck at home so you know i i'm hoping that we can get to the point where if we have to race uh you know behind closed doors if there's the ability a couple of months from now to do you know, adequate testing, you know, I think most people would go for that. I mean, today we got to get back to work safely. And, um, True. you know, if we can at least put on some good TV for the people that uh, aren't able to go back to work at that point, then at least it gives everybody uh, a little bit of a glimmer of hope. But, you know, obviously it'd have to be done in a safe way, you know, racing, you know, even an IMSA team or a, a SRO team, you know, we can have upwards of, you know, 15 to 20 people per car uh, throughout a full field. So, you know, maybe there's ways to do it on uh, IMSA weekends where you have one day events, uh, you know, have your weather tech in and out in one day. You could have, you know, your, uh, you know, Michelin challenge in and out in one day. Just try and uh, segregate as much as you can. I mean, but there's no need to do it on a weekend now, is there? With so many people working from home and not having to worry if you if you close the doors and you're not worried about spectators and them having to travel, then why can't you have it on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or a Friday night? Because because that imperative of of attracting an audience on their days off, particularly in the states where holidays are uh, much less prevalent in terms of days away from work than they are in. Uh, certainly in Europe. Well, that imperative's taken away, isn't it? There's no reason why you couldn't race on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Thursday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the advantage would be to that. You know, it's like not clashing uh, with other things that are on. Yeah, true. If there's other things on, um, you know, and then the other thing that it's not such a big issue in in Europe and especially not in the UK. But you know, if if we decided to go race over here next month, uh, how? how comfortable are you going to be jumping on a plane and traveling across the country? You know, we, the, the thought point. of driving across country uh, and taking up seven days of your life to drive from Florida to California. Um, so that, that's, you know, one of the things I've definitely thought about, you know, I, I know that with my uh, SRO program, we were going to, since there's no testing restrictions, we are looking right now as far as just trying to keep people employed and keep some cash flow for the crew you know, we were looking to go do some testing maybe in May, June, in in areas that aren't affected too badly. But then it comes into play. Well, if we go test in, uh, you know, wherever, whatever state, uh, somewhere in the Midwest, let's say, then how does everybody get there, right? And so there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, I know for me personally, I do whatever it takes to get back in the car. The sooner the better. Um, so if it means putting a mask on and gloves and 
wrap myself in tape to get through the airport, then so be it. I need photographs of that if you do that, Ryan. I, I <laughs> really photographs of that. I'm sure that I'm sure there would be. If we look further ahead, and 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 you know, I've said this to everybody we've talked about. While we're talking about this. Uh, of course, people are losing their lives and we're not playing that down at all. And every single death is a tragedy for that person's family and, and, and friends. So, you know, we're talking about motor racing. It's not the be all and end all. We know it's not. But ultimately, what we're talking about here is people's livelihoods, Ryan. And the longer this goes on, the more difficult it will be for people to come back. And the landscape, when we do come back racing, both in the States and here in Europe, um, could look drastically different in terms of who comes back to go racing. And, and, and that's what we're talking about here for a lot of people, the, the difference between continuing on as, as a business and not. Yeah, and, and I'm not downplaying this one, but I mean, we have a, a very close family member who passed away just over a week ago with what they believe was uh, COVID. Uh, we're still waiting on the results of the test, but um, that's all fingers point to that. So, I mean, yeah, everybody's obviously got to have safety first, but, um, you know, I, I think that the U.S. right now looks like it's kind of taken off uh, with the numbers, but I do think that they're, you know, doubling testing each day. So if the numbers are not doubling, but the tests are doubling, then then we're actually probably doing a better job to to bring it down. Um, what happens afterwards, who knows, right? It's like I said, it's this is especially in the U.S. right now. There's so many pro am uh, series. You know, SRO now is all pro am or am am racing, which is private money, obviously. Um, you know, IMSA two of four classes is pro am. Um, you know, where this all shakes out afterwards. Uh, I have no idea. I mean, I, I think everybody's just going to try and do their best this year to do something. You know, I know that, you know, there's been discussions within our team of, you know, at what capacity, uh, if we went back racing now, what capacity could we do it at uh, without, you know, investing 2021 money into 2020? So it's, uh, I think until there's a green light, uh, then I don't think we're going to know. And who knows when that's going to be. And even when that happens, that's not the end of the logistics nightmares because quite clearly there's only so many weekends, so many days when people can go racing. Now, you know, you have got a couple of of programmes in sports cars. Teams will have other drivers, sometimes even team members will work across a couple of different programs do you think there is almost a responsibility for the series organizers to sit down and try and work together to make sure that i mean we've said they might have smaller grids it would make sense surely not to clash against each other or to have some kind of combined weekend um i i I think and this is gonna where you and i got into a little bit of it a couple of weeks ago here, but, um, you know, it, you can't keep everybody happy. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot and, you know, what is the right things to do for a series? Um, I know myself, uh, and a number of other drivers have at least in the North American side, uh, been in contact with the CEO of both, you know, SRO GT America and, and an IMSA and, and 
made them take a call. I mean, we as drivers pushed to have uh, Greg Gill and uh, John Doonan get on a call and talk through this and make sure that at least when this side of the world goes racing, you know, because at the end of the day, crews don't, crews, crews don't uh, go across the pond, right? Crews stay in North America, uh, yeah. PR girls stay in North America. Most drivers stay in North America and then the same in Europe. You know, there is some that come across, but typically, you know, where you become home base is pretty much where your bread and butter comes from. And so, yeah, I get it. Logistically, it could be a nightmare, but I think for this, you know, year, especially there just has to be a way that we all kind of suck up and we have to try and do what's best for, uh, for, you know, where we work and the people that look after us. And I think that the SRO and, uh, IMSA side of it, I think they're going to do their best to avoid, uh, conflicts. There's been some discussion of maybe some joint weekends, which I think would be great. Um, you know, and, and I think more than anything, drivers don't make double money when that happens. Crew don't really make double money, no. but at least it's a way that you won't lose jobs. You know, it's, it's so important for crew guys, for drivers. One conflict can cost you a whole season, yeah. um, uh, contract. And so at least if we can all just figure out a way to work it in this year to get through it, yeah, you know, and there's a lot, I know there's a lot of factory drivers out there that have been up in arms about they can't be in two places at one time. Well, you know, let's be honest, they are all paid regardless. We're not. So, um, you know, as much as I have sympathy for guys that might have to miss Nürburgring, um, they're still getting their paychecks and, and 99% of the drivers and crew out there are not. So we have to look at the people that are, uh, day rated, uh, crew guys, PR people, um, whatever it is. And that's the people we have to look after because typically not the ones that can go much longer, um, without getting some money in. Now, bringing it closer to home, literally for you, um, I, I mentioned sim racing early on. Are you a sim racer, Ryan? No. No, I'm, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> is that is that because you've normally not had the time? Is it because you've not been in a programme in the past that's used simulation? Were you just not, not part of that that games playing uh, generation when you were you were coming up? Um, I, I think generation is one of the things. Um, I think some drivers really like it, really believe in it. Um, I, I've, you know, especially when I did the, the Honda P2 program, um, they really pushed us to use it. Um, I, I would say I enjoy it. Um, but I would say that for me, and this is no disrespect to anybody that does like anybody who does this more as a profession to me, it's in my head. I don't take it seriously enough to me. It's more enjoyable and it's fun. You know, I watched some of this stuff on the past couple of weeks. It's fun. Um, you know, and I think if you asked majority of the indie car drivers or sports car drivers that are, are doing the esports stuff right now, uh, are you enjoying it? They'll say this is a blast. I'm having a great time. Um, but, you know, there's lots of things I can do to have a great time. Uh, you know, I, I race because I love racing, um, but I respect it and and I respect the danger aspect of it. And and that's what kind of gets my blood boiling is, is uh, you know, that fear factor. Uh, which you don't get in in sim racing. So, uh, you know, I, I completely respect why people do it. I get why people enjoy doing it. Um, me personally, it's 
about as enjoyable to me as uh, electric racing. Uh, something that at 37, I I don't see my career get into, and um, you know, I get crucified for being open about this stuff. But uh, it's uh, my buddy Alan McNish hates when I do this, but you know, it's just not for me, and mm. it's not a direction I'm going to go. And I'd say if you don't enjoy doing it, why why do it, right? No, exactly, Abs- absolutely right. It's got it's got to be. You've got to put a lot of time into that as as you do with with anything. If you're going to take it seriously, and if you're not taking it seriously, as you say, it's it's a hobby. It's a bit of fun, um, a bit like me playing football or anything like that. And it's one of the reasons I've never taken up golf because I never thought I could take it seriously enough. Apart from the fact I played too much cricket when I was younger and I keep bending my left arm as well. Listen, mate, great to have you on. Thank you for coming on uh, and good to hear your voice and good luck with the, the house, uh, the continuing house project. And hopefully it won't be too long before we're having an adult beverage uh, at or near a racetrack somewhere. Yeah, I'm probably not within six feet of each other, though. But uh, now I look forward to it. And, and to be honest, for me, it's uh, I just uh, hoping everybody that um, is in the racing world, you know, both in teams, fans, whatever it is, stays safe. Uh Obviously, from the UK, I still have all my family over there, so I know it's um, it's pretty rough for you guys over there, and and uh, just hoping everybody gets through this. Yeah, cheers, mate. Ryan DL joining us from the US, from the the new house on Midweek Motorsport. We've been asking you our uh, Twitter talk point tonight uh, about what you're filling the void with. Neil Gardner just renewed his iRacing account, had a battle with Ace Driver coach Lamont P2 driver and friend Stuart Mosley a couple of nights ago. I say a battle. He was very kind to me. Global MX5s at Lime Rock. Mega, absolutely fantastic. Uh, DIY and car tinkering, says Brody. Brody, so neither of those things. That's why I'll have lots of free time to watch live motorsport when it comes back. Uh, Tom Firth is viewing sim racing, catching up on last year's British Touring Car Championship, old races of other series, uh, and the uh, occasional bit of actual news. Uh, Nick Holland says, filling the void, I'm stockpiling uh, with Duke Video. They've still got their... Uh, 20% off downloads as well uh, 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 going on uh, that was on the collective uh, recently that Eve put on there Alexander Orkin unless I'm playing I struggle to get into watching Sims lining up all the racing films Shea Adam says I've been a become extremely competitive uh, in life with no racing must win at working out jigsaw puzzles cycling mountain biking climbing cars hiking cooking baking uh, the reward is watching Lost with the other half Lost Lost interest after the second series. Uh, other motorsport podcasts I would normally ignore, says Chris uh, Suku. Motorsport films, Kevin uh, uh, Payne says. Really uh, enjoying NASCAR and IndyCar sims in the mid-90s. I struggle with virtual racing. Phil Kinch, uh, creating playlists of past seasons of different motorsport disciplines, sharing those out where they'll be of help and enjoying the films that enthralled me during my childhood, the 80s. Add spectatainment, please, uh, if uh, you would like to join in on the Twitter talking points. John DeGee, Sportscar365, how are you filling your time? Are you watching uh, online racing? Are you competing in online racing? I did see you asking for advice for for some online racing kit uh, earlier uh, yeah. this this week or last week was it yeah yeah i am working on upgrading my my sim rig um hopefully that gets done in the next couple of weeks but I, I had done a lot of i racing in the past but never had the time to really sink my teeth into it over the last few years so um i'm actually really looking forward to sort of doing more of that hopefully in the, the weeks to come uh we'll get get onto the uh some of the news that uh you've had on 
Sports Car 365 in a moment. But just as you were listening in there, interesting comments from Ryan DL about the end of the year. It's I said on, on Twitter, people are going to have some tough choices to make. I, I mean, could we... Could we logistically see uh, a headline IMSA SRO weekend so that, you know, clashes, which are almost inevitable now, surely, but so that at least they could be mitigated a little bit, John? Um, I haven't heard of anything directly about that. And, and my only hesitation for that would be that SRO America has a lot of races already on their weekends. There's usually five or six different series. And by the time you have two or three rounds, you know, SRO has already stated that they're planning to have, you know, double up on the races later in the year on their weekends. So what's typically a double header, two 90 minute races for GT World Challenge America for the GT3 cars. And then you add the GT4 Sprint, GT4 Sprint X, the TC America. Um, they've now added a new uh, uh, support series, I think with uh, Skip Barber cars that took the place of the Celine Cup. You're talking five or six series already times two or three races. Wow. I don't know where you could find time for additional content. Um, that's my only thought on that i i like the idea in principle i think it would make a lot of sense especially for drivers like ryan that are double dipping in both series um crews uh, you know mechanics uh crew chiefs um team managers you know there's a lot of overlap i think in both championships so it would make a lot of sense but i just don't know how how it would theoretically work unless you're just taking one of those series and putting them on an imsa weekend or vice versa uh, just thinking about some of the 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 other uh, points that that Ryan brought up, and, and I have to say a, a cracking point about gentlemen drivers who are yeah. businessmen yeah. there, which had never crossed my mind. What is the landscape? I mean, we're speculating here. What are you hearing about the you know what's going to happen with the the landscape in terms of that? That could massively affect the grid sizes of some of these pro am 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 categories across IMSA, SRO, and indeed across motor racing throughout the world. Absolutely. I think that's our biggest concern right now in the short term. Once we get racing and, and once everybody's healthy and everybody's ready to get going, I, I'm i expecting to see a, a significant decrease in pro-am entries, even single-make entries um, in the single-make series. I'm point. speaking to Dr. Daniel Armbruster, the CEO of Porsche Motorsport North America earlier. Uh, it was last week, I think I talked to him, and last Friday. He basically said, yeah, we're expecting less cars in Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge USA and Canada just because the majority of those drivers are business owners. They yeah. have businesses they run, and if there's any concern financially about that business or if the business has to close up, then they don't have the money to go racing. And um, it may not affect the upper levels of sports car racing, like the WeatherTech Championship and maybe even, you know, uh, GT World Challenge in, in that regard, because a lot of those gentlemen drivers are maybe perhaps more funded. They have more resources to tackle those championships. But when it comes to uh, drivers in the in the the development ladder ranks or or in the single make series, I think that's where you'll see the the biggest impact. I, I'm pleased you mentioned Porsche because it was Porsche that I, I did want to talk about uh, with you. A couple of uh, interesting notes coming out of Porsche in Europe and North America, um, notably that it would seem that North America seems to be in a in a pretty decent spot at the moment for for motorsport they think they have uh, 
a robust business model that will get them through at least the, the short to medium term of this shutdown. Yeah, and I think that's all around their customer racing approach. You know, speaking to Good Dr. Armbruster about that, he brought up the point that, hey, we don't necessarily put marketing dollars into a lot of our customer racing efforts, unlike some other manufacturers. And so the first budgets that have to, that are likely to be cut from automakers will be marketing dollars, and that's that could have an effect on other GT3 programs, not necessarily in, in just in the U.S., but also overseas. You know, it's a it's a difficult subject. I know a lot of people don't talk about it. Some people do. That you know, GT3 is almost turning into a a factory like category, and and there are quite a few manufacturers putting in money on their own to help fund the the race teams you know we, I don't want to name names and I think a lot of people can realize who they are but um, uh, Porsche is one of those that doesn't necessarily do that and they think that they'll be able to weather the storm a little better by having true customer teams um, that are that are using their products especially in the GT3 level um, I, I had heard that they certainly in the US part of the GT3 Cup the entries were down. Um, a little bit already at the start there because they now they raced didn't they at uh, St. Pete so they got their first championship race off at St. Pete so no so they actually practiced and ah, then the event was cancelled so yes. they, they I think they took part in one practice session that was the same for GT4 uh, America Sprint where um, I think each of those series had one 60-minute practice and then the, the organizers decided to cancel the weekend so and what were the numbers um, like John? I'm sorry? And what was the entry number like? I think it was 22 cars okay. um, for St. Pete. So it wasn't too bad. I think last year was a little more, but it wasn't uh, you know, significantly impacted. Um, I don't know what the numbers are for GT3 Canada. Um, that's I, I, don't, I, I honestly don't have a schedule in front of me. I don't know when that series kicks off. But nonetheless, you know, I, I think that you know that was a that was sounded like a weird weekend. Um, my my colleague Ryan Marine was there and um, working for SRO America in pit lane and the you know I, I'm sure you guys have heard stories too from how that weekend was handled with first with no spectators and then all of a sudden canceling all activities and it was just kind of surreal. But um, yeah, I think that that GT3 Cup Challenge round will be rescheduled to another weekend. We've seen changes already in the Lamborghini Super Trofeo yeah. uh, schedule where Road America has been added in place of Barber. Yeah, but with NASCAR, not with yes, IMSA. Yes, exactly. So it's going to be the week after the IMSA weekend um, with the NASCAR Xfinity Series because there's not enough space on the IMSA weekend to put the Lamborghinis. So there you go. There's problems already with too much uh, content on race weekends where it's not possible to accommodate everything so that goes back to my sro theory that i'm not too sure we can see joint weekends at least with the full batch of support series from both both uh, organizers i can't i have no clue what a nascar audience even a road racing nascar audience are going to make of lamborghini super trofeo <laughs> at road america yeah. where, which is probably one of the places where they hit their highest top speeds anywhere and yeah. they sound phenomenal around there that, that actually is going to be worth tuning tuning in for uh, going back to porsche and i know as, as you said you spoke with dr daniel ambrister who's the man at the head of porsche uh, north america uh, Porsche Motorsport North America um, and 
That was a very interesting conversation. Pick it up on sportscar365.com. The other portion news came out of, of Europe uh, and uh, Pascal Zulinden talking about uh, the uh, LMDH and uh, confirming, I think, what many of us had, had thought for a while, but making it official that, that Porsche are... Uh, taking seriously an evaluation at the very least of LMDH, which of course is the LMP2 chassis uh, with manufacturer engine and manufacturer bodywork. This is very interesting for me, John, because um, I, I did think Porsche would be interested in this, and I did think Porsche North America would be interested uh, in this. The fact that it's come out of Europe was a little bit of a surprise for me. Well, we, we've sort of known this for a while. Um, we, we had a story on Sports Car 365 right after the Rolex 24 with quotes from um, Dr. Uh, Michael Steiner, one of the board members of Porsche R&D, confirming that they were evaluating LMDH. I think this is the first time that Pascal might have said it publicly you know, to everyone that it's under evaluation. And from what I understand, I, I believe it's seriously being evaluated and is quite likely to happen. Um, mind you, this is all before the current situation we're in with the coronavirus pandemic, but I, I think Porsche seems to be very interested in this platform, and, and you're right, it, it, coming from Europe makes it sound like it would be a WEC program as well. So I would, if I had a guess, I, I would think it would sort of take over the GTE programs both on both sides of the pond, where you'd have the, the core autosport run operations step up to an LMDH and then the Monthai led team in, in WEC run those same cars in, in the top class of WEC. But still too early to say, I think we're all waiting on the, the draft set of regulations for LMDH first before manufacturers can actually come to full agreements. But I, I believe Porsche is probably at the front of the pack right now in terms of likely manufacturers to commit to this new platform. And of course, the advantage that Porsche have got, John, is that they could move some or all of the works, the factory money on both sides of the Atlantic out of GTE, GT Le Mans uh, and still have potentially customers, certainly in WEC and at Le Mans, to, to fly the flag. There's not very many other manufacturers that could, that could say that. Um, the other side of that is the kind of investment that we're talking about, about LMDH, is of a level that might see Porsche North America take it on, Porsche Motorsport North America, uh, take that on as a project, much in the way they did with the LMP2 um, project, uh, which ended up being with Penske uh, a, <laughs> a few years ago. That originally came as an as a initiative and a funding package from the for the US, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think actually in terms of budgets, uh, this should be cheaper than the RS Piter program actually, because oh, yeah. um, you know we're looking at GTE level budgets, and and I'm pretty sure the RS Piter was well north of that. So, and especially when you have a, a manufacturer that's able to compete in both championships, it's going to save money. Um, we spoke to Toyota's Rob Loipen about this over the last week as well, and he brought up a good point that if the Toyota LMH Lama hypercar was to be run full-time in IMSA, it would come at a con considerable cost savings by having to split the R&D between both programs. Yeah. Now, that's a very unlikely to happen. We, we understand that it's, you know, if there is to be any kind of Toyota presence full-time in IMSA, it most likely would be an LMDH with Lexus. But Correct. Um, nonetheless, I think it 
sort of solidified the point that you know you have more many more cars on track potentially customer cars as well and Porsche is known for offering customer cars for nearly every car they've campaigned other exactly. than the LMP1 program so we've had customer RS fighters with Dyson and and, and the teams that have won in, in Europe and won at Le Mans with Van Merkstein so I I think that you know if Porsche was to do this this would actually work out to be quite a uh, profitable successful program for them maybe initially having it as factory run program programs on both sides of the pond first but then allowing customers in year two or year year year, year three and yeah Porsche are the gold standard for making money out of selling racing cars no doubt uh, it's almost like we chatted before this and I promise our listeners we hadn't but you brought up Toyota there Rob Lightman perfect because <laughs> that was the the other piece of news um, that I wanted to talk to you about and again this is news this is not speculation Toyota talking about the issues that they're having with a, a factory shutdown effectively uh, in Germany and how that's affecting their preparations for their hypercar and and, you know what's being done at the moment answer well not very much at all yeah because it's more down to parts shortages from the supply chain you know a a global prototype that's being built right now requires parts from all over the world you know the the powertrain comes from from japan from toyota there's components that also come from china um we know everything's basically been shut down in china factories are just starting to reopen right now um that's put the toyota hypercar program basically on hold you know it's still the intention is still to have it the intention is still to move ahead but they haven't been able to build the car to the time frame that they initially had intended so that puts some questions you know over what's going to happen but at the same time we saw the 24 hours of Lamar get postponed to the end of september beyond the start date of the 2020 2021 wec season and i think we should be expecting some news later this week of a revised wec schedule that will show most likely the the next season starting after the rescheduled race at Lamar. So that the delays that Toyota is, is facing and most likely Glickenhaus and Baikalis and anybody else, you know, that's trying to do an LMH program, I think it'll become a mute point just because of the revised schedule. But you still bring up a really good point, John, that, you know, everything is being affected right now by the global crisis. And I, it, it's tough for anybody to really do physical work in terms of building parts. You know, you can be preparing, you can be running simulations on computers, you you could be doing sim racing, you could be doing CFD, but when it comes to actually manufacturing a lot of the components, um, there's a lot of issues. And and also you got to look at Italy, for example, that's the mecca, that's the mecca of carbon fiber. That's where most of the tubs are built for all prototypes, all a lot of supercars, a lot of road cars. And, And with Italy being more or less shut down right now, that, poses a huge problem as well. Yeah, I agree with that. And whilst you mentioned Glickenhaus again, perfectly leading in, uh, we must give them uh, a little bit of congratulations, quite a lot actually. They've diverted their expertise into building some uh, protective equipment for um, hospital workers who are intubating, putting tubes down people's throat, a big perspex design that they've got so that you can get your hands in but if they cough or anything like that it doesn't get on the on the nurses and doctors and of course they've uh, come up with uh, some breathing apparatus as well um, number of 
uh, people in the UK have been working on Project Pit Lane, a Formula One team. So we'll talk about Nick uh, with that in in the second hour with Nick. But Glickenhouse have really swung into operation, John, and used all their clever people to try and come up with some alternatives for the more traditional ventilators. And well done them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people in the racing community that are pitching in. Um, we saw Car Autosport. Uh, they're making masks. Uh, Lamborghini has, has shifted its its uh, factory into making masks and shields. Um, uh, there's numerous others, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, but um, it's really great to see the motorsport community come together in this time Agreed. of need. Um, Agreed. Uh, How are you, John, by the way? You're, you're in Chicago, of course. Are, are you on sort of um, uh, stay, at, stay at home at the moment? Yeah, yeah, that's how it is here for most of the U.S. I think there's some states in the South and the West that aren't enforcing that. But, um, yeah, I've basically been in my townhouse for the last two weeks. I'm just going out to exercise when I can, when it's not too crowded, and um, going to the grocery store once a week and really limiting uh, everything as possible. And it's, it's tough. It's tough just sort of sitting here mentally knowing that all the races that you had planned and scheduled and booked and was planning to be at and, you know, is is not a not a not happening right now but it's the same for everybody around the world True. it's the same everybody's coping with and and i think all of our thoughts are right now with um with everybody trying to get through this crisis and 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 staying strong and and being as preventive as preventative preventative as possible with uh with not spreading um, this virus any further. Wise words, Mr. DeGeese. Uh, stay home, uh, save lives is uh, the word that's going out around. Now. John, thanks very much, mate. We'll keep an eye on Sportscar 365 for, for the latest breaking news and we'll have you on again um, in a couple of weeks or so when we've we've got some, perhaps got a, a little bit of, uh, of clarity about what's going on at the end of the year. Cheers, mate. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That's uh, John DeGeese, uh, editor and founder of Sportscar365. Tim Gray has been watching the socials. Uh, well, I've been sent a tweet by Christopher Matthias uh, saying, to prove you're live, um, follow this. And he sent me a link to some Nicaraguan rounders where it's 2-0. Sorry, excellent. I better fear myself back up again. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to... Uh, hey, mate... Uh, we're asking the Twitter question tonight, the Twitter talking point, what you're filling your time with. Uh, Martin Webster says, sim racing, 90s F1 races and loads of 24-hour Le Mans, RLM commentaries, 2011, my favourite. The whole archive is free, remember, uh, at radio-show.co.uk. Uh, Andrew Muggeridge, bit of everything, delving into the DVD collection, watching some sim racing and had a go. Gran Turismo 6 today, he says. That's a nice setup you've got there, Andrew. Uh, and SCS Software, um, uh, listening in tonight, College Stuff and Football Manager. Uh, unfortunately for me, I'm not managing Thrapston Town. I don't think you'd get a game off round here uh, at the moment. Uh, SCS Software. Um, what else have we got? Doing some laps on uh, Auto- Razor Studios Automobilista in a 9.56. Stephen watching the live sim racing in a little YouTube. So basically, it's a bit of everything uh, that's going on here. Uh, keep those coming in at Specutainment. Hour two starts now. Half time. And while we swap ends, here's what's coming up. We'll get Nick and Dex back in, in the second hour so we'll have more of your Twitter talking points on what you're filling the void that midweek, that uh, live motorsport rather, uh, is uh, leaving for you at the moment. Sim racing or is it watching old movies, racing or whatever? 
uh, we've got uh, the boys coming back, Shea's coming back, lots of things to talk about in the second hour, but next it's Richard Creel to give us a little view on what's happening on the grid tomorrow at nine, and then we'll have Dario Franchitti as our big interview on Midweek Motorsports, Series 15, episode number 13. Midweek Motorsport on RadioLeMond.com. G'day everyone, this week on The Grid, your look at motorsport from an Aussie angle. Double supercar champion Scott McLaughlin is our special guest. He joins us to chat esports, both in supercars and IndyCar form, and lets us know just how involved Roger Penske really is, even when it comes to racing online. Then we detail an amazing initiative called Race Against COVID-19, that is uniting the local motorsport industry with outstanding results already. And then the boys are back for a regular chat about the sport, where it stands and where it's likely to land when, thankfully, all of this is over. So make sure you join us for this week's On The Grid. It's a pretty good show, if we say so ourselves. You can tune in Thursday night, 9pm UK time on RS1. Thanks, Creelsy. That's all tomorrow night. And On The Grid forming part of our big Thursday now with at 8 o'clock the Torah radio show looking at all things virtual and goodness me there's plenty of that then Creelsy and the team as you heard there at 9 o'clock time now on Midweek Motorsports Series 15 episode number 13 for our big interview yesterday spoke to Dario Franchitti on the phone and managed to keep mostly on topic because we hadn't spoken to each other for a little while. First of all, asked him about how he'd got involved in some virtual racing last weekend. Well, I, I'd done a bit of sort of end of last season, did a bit of real racing at, uh, at Goodwood. I was finally allowed to get in something again. Um, and then I could see it, what, what was happening with the shutdown, the possible shutdowns. I went up to see Darren Turner. Up at uh, up at base performance, up at the simulators, and I said, I went and had a bit of a play in all his various sort of rigs. I said, all right, I want one of those. <laughs> he said, you want it today, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, it doesn't work like that. And I said, well, what's wrong with that one? He said, well, that's my demo. I said, well, can I borrow that until my one's fixed? He said, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he sent the the boys down with the with the rig, and I've been on it pretty much nonstop since. Um, and I've been I started off just doing what you would do sort of okay what's my what tracks haven't i driven what what crazy car could i drive on crazy tracks so i ended up with things like jean alacy's 90s ferrari around Oldham park uh, <laughs> i did see the video of the sunoco porsche i think it was <laughs> on the nordschleife pulling the most incredible wheelies <laughs> over some of the some of the rises there and that was your idea for the for the next i racing sim wasn't it yeah, I wanted to do that. I think I've just been we've been talking about it this afternoon and sort of saying, what are we doing next? The, the crazier, the, the better for me. You know, just, then that's what it kind of it's allowed me to do is you know, Senna's 98 Lotus round Spa. I took the McLaren MP4 8 round the original Spa, which was quite interesting. Oh, um, the, old, the, long, the old long road circuit. Yeah, yeah, the old long road circuit. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it was just, so I was playing around with that, and then the the, the yeah, I could you know the, the first race last week, um, you know the race guys did that, and um, then they talked about a legends race or old old people's race as we call it, 
and and it just it sort of steamrolled from there. Tony Canan phoned me um, and said, "Right, this is what we're thinking of doing. Do you want to do it?" And it just got went on from there, and it turned out to be a bunch of old mates um, sitting in different the houses in different parts of the world, and we started practicing, and we ended up having having the race, and it was. It was great to win it. I was, I was, I got such a buzz out of winning it. But the, the, the fun out of just, you know, practicing with these lunatics. Again. Might I suggest that you guys, all of you, are all still as madly competitive as you were? Because I'm going to look. And you and I come from an age where simulators weren't used in the same way as they are today by some of the 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 current crop of drivers. And you know, to us racing games were just that I mean I've seen you on with pedals in a wheel um, <laughs> I think I think actually it was Moreno Stag night up at, up at, we, we managed to have two race seats and I brought a couple of versions of whatever new game was out up for That's that right. so, so I mean, it's come on a bit since then but there is an art Dario to driving a sim and there's some similarities obviously to driving a race car but driving a sim there's an art to it and and you had to get that off pretty quickly. That must have been pretty intensive then once you got your rig uh, from Darren uh, sorted out. I was going to say just ask the wife how, how much time I've been spending on it. <laughs> but no, you, she you, just you, said, who is this bloke who's on the phone? I don't recognise exactly, him. Exactly. So she's, you know, it, it, it was about tuning, you've got to tune the pedals to get the right brake feel and all that sort of stuff and the steering to get the right kickback that you want and feedback and everything. But whereas a racing car is a lot about the balance and the messages that your inner ears giving given to you, combined with what's going on with your hands and your visual and and, and your ears, what they're telling you. Simulation, simulators, to me, it's all about what you're seeing and what you're hearing, and possibly, possibly the the feedback in the wheel, but not really. So I just practiced, and we all did really. We all went out. And we were all practicing it uh, quite a lot to get quicker and. <laughs> um, you know, and then of course it gets very competitive. And we went originally. We tested at Zandvoort, the, not not the new version, the version just before yeah. the, the new F1 version. And we we pounded around there for days. And they sort of they said, right, it's Silverstone National, so it just became like a you know Walter Hayes Trophy with BT44 Brabham's. And That's uh, brilliant. Yeah, it was great. Uh, and there was a bit of an argy bargy in front of you uh, as well. Uh, I saw Montoya getting stuck in. Uh, to that, it wasn't the all clean race that we perhaps might have expected um, from <laughs> such um, uh, legends of the sport, shall we say? <laughs> it's kind of what I expected it to be worse. I expected there to be much more people getting fired off, but um, nah, I mean, Piro was quick. I mean, Piro was quick from from the moment he he appeared on the practice page. He was quick, and he. Um, and when Monty got into it, um, and I just think it was a misunderstanding with those two, but they were they were properly rapid, and um, you know. But to see Emerson Fittipaldi driving, I was sort of following him around in practice, thinking Emerson raced against this car when it was yes, you know, when it was new, when it was real, and um, yeah. So there was there was a, I think there was varying degrees of not ability, but there was varying degrees of sort of comfort mm-hmm. with simulators. Yeah, um, but I know that. The, the, the WhatsApp group has been going this week and everybody's practicing like crazy and they Uh-oh. want to know what car it is this week and what track it is. So, so I was, that was the next question. Is th- This is then going to be a weekly, effectively, a weekly support race for the next five weeks or so with the... Um, uh, with the IndyCar events that are going on on, on iRacing as well, is it? 
Well, it's, this is on R Factor. Oh, right, okay. So this is on the, like, this is all the stuff you learn about, you know, about, this, about simulators and stuff. And, um, you know, the the, 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 the the race website, those guys organized it all, and, and, and Darren Cox's company did it. And, you know, you get driver's briefings and all kinds of stuff. So, it, you know, it was taken very seriously um, to a degree. We're now we're now trying to figure out a system. Apparently, there is a system where we can all talk to each other as we're racing, and yeah. which will be great for the for the uh, you know giving giving each other a hard time. But um, I, it's 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 just fun. It's just so much fun to be able to do something. And as we're all we're all locked up at home, um, why not? Yeah, absolutely. And it's entertaining as well, mate. That's the other thing. I know from what we did with, with IMSA uh, at um, at Sebring a couple of weekends ago, just a 90-minute race. And, you know, the amount of joy that gives people. And to be honest, right now, that's that's really, really important. Uh, two, and, and by the way, congratulations to Darren Turner as well, because it was a one-two for the um, base performance guys, uh, base simulators guys and I know because I've practised up there before jumping in real world cars how good Darren's setup is so I expect to see you two in some more racing. Um, the other thing you've been doing recently and I must have a chat with you about this, brilliant idea, on Twitter uh, you and if anybody isn't following the, you, there should be um, you've been just having a little remembrance as you've wandered gently through your back catalogue of racing cars. What what brought you to that, Dee? I don't know. I just I was sitting and I thought, what, what can I do? What can I sort of how can I engage with, with race fans that are as bored with with the fact there's no racing on T V as I am? What can I do? And I just thought, Oh, why don't I go through the as you say, how do the back catalogue and so I started on the Vauxhall Junior. Um today I did the I think it was the 2000 Reynard Honda, um, and tomorrow is the uh, the infamous Jaguar, the Formula One car. So mm. the problem with Twitter is you don't have enough sort of characters to really get into it. But on Instagram, I've been kind of getting into the details a bit more, and it's um, it's been fun to sort of revisit it. And Paul Tracy and some of the guys I raced against have been chiming in a bit, and um, you know Jensen's done it now. Karun Chandok's done it. You've so started some guys doing that. You've yeah, started. And I, you know, I, I tell you what, it's, it's got me into the mood for writing the book. Mm. You know, I've sort of toyed with the idea, but this has got me into the sort of telling the telling some of those stories and, and getting right into the details and, um, you know, the good and the bad. Going back even before that first racing car, didn't you get one of your old carts back? Not so, Well, I say not so very long ago. When you get old like me, a few years is not so very long ago. But didn't one of your <laughs> old carts turn up out of, out of nowhere? Well... Yeah, well, I was quite. A f- it was like seven years ago. Now. No way. Say that yeah. is, I am getting old today. I really am. Yeah. So what? What it was? Um, what happened for my fortieth birthday? Um, my, my parents were sort of thinking, "What the hell do we buy this guy? Um, what? What do we get him?" And I'd been for years. When I was four years old, I had this little go kart with a Honda engine on the back that I used to blast around the field at Ingolston. I even crashed it into the fence at Ingolston and, and cut my chin open. Um but I I and I used to use it on the road, believe it or not, outside my dad's factory. Statute of limitations long gone yeah, for that exactly. day. You're fine. Yeah, You're fine. Wow. I was five years old, you know, it's different days you could blast up and down the road and I I wondered what happened to it and Dad had sold it to buy my first uh actually my second motorbike as it was. And I wanted that thing back and I'd been asking him for years. Well he found it and he had it restored, and he had it delivered. Um, 
I knew nothing about this, and he had it delivered to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I was still mm. driving at the time, and uh, I walked into the garage on my birthday, and they had the eight different, you know, the four teammates, the, the race car and the, the spare cars, all lined up in the garage as we did. And I walked, and ESPN had said, right, we have to film the opener for the show, so we want you to walk the whole length of the pit past all the cars. And I got, to, I did that, and I got they were filming it, and I got to the end, and I said, okay, what now? And the guy said, well, turn round. And I turned around and there was my, my little cart um, between my race car and my, my, my spare car for the for the speedway. And, I mean, I, 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 I burst into tears. I, 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 you know, <laughs> just it was so emotional. No, of course you did. To, of course to, you to did, because it. it's important. Uh, and it sits it, it sits in the garage um, between my 99 Reynard and my Vauxhall Junior. And it's, uh, it's a great wee thing. How many of, of those old cars do you have? You mentioned a couple there. I remember you in Vauxhall Junior, um, of course. Well, I remember you in a cart, actually, going back to the Felton Cart Club. I was going to say, days. go to Felton, yeah. I, uh, I, I seem to remember doing the commentary for you on, on some Felton video um, that was was out there. And I think that was probably the first time I'd, I'd uttered your name uh, in anger. Felton's still there, you know, although it's, it's in a bit of bad repair. We were up, up north... Ooh, back end of last year, and uh, and ran, and I, we found ourselves up that neck of the woods. So I got Eve to dive down the back roads and go and have a look at mm-hmm. it. Um, but I mean, those days, happy days for you, D, getting on in the early part of your. Yeah, I mean, I, it was stressful days. I, I was, you know, there were definitely stressful times because you know there was I put a, a lot of pressure on myself even back yeah. then. Um, you know, and I think. To, to many kids that are racing carts now or want to race carts or, or even cars, the financial pressures are are, mm-hmm. are tough. And so, um, yeah, it was, it, but they were good times. I mean, to, to, to learn those, all those little things that, that I learned at the time that I used, I still, you know, used to the last day I drove a, a racing car in anger, the friendships mm-hmm. that, I, that I made. Um, nah, they, were, they were great times. Uh, and and uh, sorry, I sort of interrupted myself there. And you answering. So, how many of those old cars have you got? You mentioned a couple. I've got I've, I've got those two. That's really it. Just now. Um, oh, just now. I, I should have I should have been sort of smarter and got more of them in my my, my contract. Um, but certainly, the later years, we were using the cars from multiple seasons. Yes. I mean, the, the car that I used in 2003 was essentially the same tub we used in 2011. The really? same design of tub. And, um, you know, the car I won my first 500 with, for instance, that was the one that I flipped over in Michigan and ripped the roll hoop off um, <laughs> afterwards. So that had to be rebuilt. So Michael Andretti's got that now in his collection. Um, the two, the other two, the 2010 winner and the 12 winner, Chip Ganassi's got those. Um, one of them is in the Peterson Museum just now, mm-hmm. um, an, an exhibit, exhibit about Chip, and um, what the other ones back in, in, in reception at uh, Chip Ganassi Racing in Indy. So, I think it'd be tough to get any of those cars from mm. from Michael or or Chip. But, and what about uh, the DTM car? I noticed you said the most technologically advanced cars that you that you'd ever driven. Those ITR cars were just extraordinary beast and for anybody who hasn't seen it go and find it on youtube go and look at it and dig into it modular design you could pull all sorts of bits off the car you think of the old you know four minute gearbox change at le mans for for audi well the dtm cars were all about that splitting the engine from the tube from the gearbox from the rear axle they were about that years before that yeah they were 
clever cars designed by clever people. I, I love driving. No cost cars, implications either. They had big budgets. Yeah, <laughs> massive. That's what happened. It, it, it spent itself into oblivion in, in that period. But um, So the 96 car is with a private collector in Germany. Um, so I'm hoping to go, and, to go and visit that at some point, to go and visit mm-hmm. my, my old pal. Um, apparently it's been raced at the moment, which is really cool. Um, wow. So that's good. The 95 car is in, if you've ever, it certainly was for a long time. If you went to the reception at HWA, they had a car there that was stickered up as Bernd Schneider's car, where it was actually my car because Bernd Schneider's car won the championship and it's in the Mercedes Museum. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to get one of those. Uh, there was one for sale and I thought, I thought it was my car and it was all stickered up like my car, but it turns out it was a, I think it was a Jörg van Omen car that had been stickered up like mine, so... Didn't, didn't do that. But, but clearly you can I'd still run them more. as well, D, if somebody's still oh, running yeah. them. Because, I mean, I, I, I guess I've got a, a friend called Gary Robertshaw who's a race uh, engineer, a uh, very good one. Actually, he was a good racing driver as well um, from the northeast, uh, and And he's going around looking for old laptop computers and then having to teach himself DOS and stuff like that to fire up some of these <laughs> old race cars. But it can be done. Oh, I, if you've, anybody that's listening, if you've got a computer that runs MS-DOS, Put it on eBay. You mm. get a fortune for it. Yeah. Don't sell it. Don't <laughs> throw it away. Don't use it as a doorstop. No, go sell it. You'll get fortunes because there's all these cars around that just that run that run MS DOS. But um, I'd love to get a couple of these things and and to run them. The '98 car or the '99 car. Sorry, it's it's it, Honda have kind of we've talked about um, doing a lease on one of the engines and getting it ready. I wow. think it'd be amazing. Can you imagine that in Knock Hill? Oh. Mate, uh, what are you mean? So hang on, we've just come full circle there because we started about you driving in the virtual world, ridiculous things round racetracks that they were never built for, and now we've we've come on literally in the real world in the space of fifteen minutes to you with a Honda-powered Indy car around Knock Hill. Well, you might break your, your uncle Louis' lap record in the Formula Ford if you did that. I, I, I hope you would. That's one of our normal conversations, isn't it? I mean, I think the lap record now is held by um, one of Larry Kinch's F1 cars. Yeah, I think you're right. Which was absolutely mighty watching in the onboard. I think, I think Nathan, I think there was Nathan Kinch was driving driving the car. And Scott was... Mansell many years ago went round with a with a boss car and started breaking lap records, and then Nathan did a few as well, a, a bit more mm-hmm. recently. There's your challenge, kidder. Let's let's have it done. <sighs> I don't know if I'm brave enough anymore. <laughs> <laughs> let's, fin- let's finish off with something that I know is very close to your heart, and that's the Jim Clark Museum. Uh, we got into that immediately. We found out about it when they were applying for their for their um, um, lottery funding, um, What again, seems like yesterday, but it's already a couple of years ago. The project has been superb. We've been watching it online as well, and, of course, that's all we can do at the moment. But something to look forward to, Dee, when we start moving around again, whether you're in the UK or further afield, the Jim Clark Museum, of course, up at Duns in the Borders. What a fantastic project. And I know you've been very keenly involved there. Yeah, it was... Um you know, we don't, I'd been in the Jim Clark room as you, as you had, John, and sort of it's, it was it was nice, but it was it a fitting tribute to Jim? Eh, probably probably not. Um, and I think the family thought the same, and they they said, right, we're gonna we're gonna go and get some some funding from private individuals, but also from the government, and they did, and they've built this beautiful museum in the same place as it was. They just yeah. extended it. Um, you know, I 
I lent them the the, the Jim's Cortina that, that that I look after now. Um, there's a Lotus 25 in there. It's just wonderful. The trophy room is incredible, yeah. and it's the most wonderful place to go to. But now they've also got a tour. They've got a Jim Clark Trail roundabout, so you can wherever you're from. If you're from the UK, get in your car, drive up there, do the trail. You know when all when all this. Uh, um, isolation is finished. Get up, drive around, do the do the trail, go see the museum. Um, you know, and if you're from different parts of the world, fly over, rent a car, and do it. It's yeah. it's wonderful. Lovely the part of the is, world. Lovely yeah, part of the I, world. I love going down there. We, myself and Ed Foster um, from Motorsport Magazine, we delivered the Cortina there. <laughs> I picked it. Um, I drove it down from the house in in, in Scotland, um, which I have to say, on the motorway, I was thinking, "What have I done? Why didn't I just trailer this down?" And then we got on the back roads close to Duns, where where Jim, I mean, he, he, there was times he would take the DBR1 Aston Martin out and give it a wee tune up on those roads. But when you you, you get on those roads and you, just the Cortina just came alive, and it was brilliant to to take that, especially that car. Um, back to Duns and, and, and put it into the museum. And architecturally, the building is absolutely superb. If you're into building design, I mean, it was built for purpose, and my goodness, it's fit for purpose, but that doesn't mean it's a tedious design. It's beautiful. It's stunning. You know, and Ian Scott Watson, who really got Jim started in, in racing, is an, is an architect, mm. and he was heavily involved in that, and, you know, Doug Niven... And, and Ben and the whole, all the, the, the family, or, and the Duns Mafia, as I call them, they were all really into it. And they, they, they're so passionate about it, and they worked so, so hard to make it happen. And I think now they look back and they think, yeah, we've done a, we've done a good job there. And they, they really have. No, it's been it's been really good. Uh, we've followed that very closely. Dave, I've taken up too much of your time already, but you know it's always a pleasure to have you on Midweek Motorsport. Stay safe with that lovely family of yours and best to your wee brother as well. Likewise, and we'll see you at a racing track really, really soon, I hope. I really hope so, mate. I'm not, <laughs> not, not sure how much longer we can go on without me having to find DIY jobs. And as you know, I'm not very good at that. That could be dangerous. Be careful to me yesterday on the telephone and I really should have left the recorder running after that because no you shouldn't you no, get no. trouble well it would have required a bit of judicious editing but um, we had some good stuff suffice to say Dario's going to come back in uh, and uh, will work out a way to get a slightly better line oh that was a decent phone line in fairness that wasn't bad at all no not at uh, all before we move on Jim Clark one of his uh, F1 cars is currently on the market really yeah dare I ask uh, it's the actually if Dario's listening to this turn off now Day, turn off right now he'll have seen this I'm sure it's a Lotus 49 oh. R4 it's the oh. chassis number it won the uh, South African Grand Prix on the 1st of January 1968 and it's being uh, sold in Germany. Dare we ask how much, or is it... We have uh, no idea. If if we um, if we have to ask, we can't afford it, is it? Pretty much, yes. I, the, the R4, the South Africa car, wasn't that destroyed by fire in 1968? It was crashed. It's been restored. It wasn't destroyed. Rob Walker bought it. Um, and Joseph had crashed it, but it wasn't destroyed. Was that the race of champions? Yes. At Brands Hatch? That's the one. It's, that was 67, that. Is that right? That's a 67 car. That's f- obviously, R4 means it was the fourth one 
produced. So yes. I'm just uh, having a look on the uh, website of the people who are selling it to see if there is a... Well, price. the fact that I, I've managed to pull that out of the back of... My Bradley will be very impressed. Very impressed indeed. I think you can say he'd be very interested. But I, he, he would be very interested. He's got a massive pension, I know. So. <laughs> Don't keep saying that. He gets really annoyed. Uh, whilst you're well, doing that... we call that, him a pensioner. Yes. Um, whilst you're doing that, let me go to our Twitter talking point this week. Uh, what are you doing to fill the void by live racing? Sim racing on PS4 with Project Cars 2 and F2 uh, with... Uh, Mick, on, F, on F2 on F1... 2019 mixed with a dash of shooting and stuff on C or D when feet get tired. Okay. And a bit of Aussie 90s group here Godzilla action on YouTube. That's what uh, Andrew says. Uh, Sarah Rigby says, I filled this weekend's motorsport vibe by watching the live stream of the best hi- highlights from Goodwood last year be- before watching the Legends Cup on Saturday and the GT World Challenge Europe Charity Challenge on Sunday. New to watching uh, eSports, says Sarah Rigby, but I'm ticking all the boxes. Good. Uh, it was Danish eSport tonight uh, was happening. Some puzzles with some podcasts in the background, says Lulu. All on uh, aspect of team at this. Been filling the void watching racing documentaries plus some classic racing movies. Brought out my retro console, says Dave Olcott. Some good old games on there. Papyrus, IndyCar and all of that sort of stuff. Excellent. Uh, Finishing my own sim racing rig, which is a bit of a scrapyard special. Uh, Pictures, please. Uh, Mason Henry watching old races and the NASCAR sim races. Been on an Indy and IndyCar and sports car kick uh, as well uh, at the moment. Did watch IMSA Super Saturday. Very well produced. Uh, just can't seem to invest myself in the simulated racing. Is the real deal though? Says Ryan Ryan Williams. Mostly 80 rally contests uh, at VHS rallies has been outstanding. The rerunning the uh, RAC rally in real time, uh, the, or as it would have been uh, at the moment so that's all uh, all good stuff uh tim what have you found out about that car uh no price unfortunately uh just oh, really? uh, a detailed description of uh, its history and uh it's all in german as well is it yes not helpful the lotus mit der nummer 49 r4 würde ende 1976 gebaut and had to design an Esther Rennen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, fine. But it is January. an F1 car, isn't it? it which is. means, which means, we can say we've been talking about Formula One without knowing it. Yes, exactly, and that's a massive miss. So let's get our Formula One correspondent, Nick Damon. Hooray! It's Formula One in a vacuum of COVID quarantine. Well, almost. I mean, there has been a lot of Formula 1 going on, hasn't there? Yes, none of it in the real world. Uh, Well, real world Formula 1, not on track, but there have been happenings because the FIA World Motorsport Council, Ah. EMET. The EMET, did they? The EMET, going through my mind, I know. Which bit of this, I can't remember which bits we got to last week. As all the days are blended together, I can't remember which bits we know about, which we don't know about. It's like Christmas, it's like perpetually being in between Christmas and New Year, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, So, uh, 
previously uh, previously announced... on F on FIA e meetings. Yes, previously uh, they announced a delay of the 2021 technical regulations to yes. 2022 for cost saving reasons. Yeah, we talked about that. Yes, we did. Further measures will be introduced for 2021. These will include the homologation of the survival cells from 2020 and certain other components. Yes. Nothing um, major there. Been, well, in addition, the oh, dual really? axis steering system will right. not yeah. be permitted was... in 2021 um, as ah. defined in Article 10.4.2. And that was a question, Nick, that we asked last week, or at least a, a listener asked last week, wasn't it? Yes. They have, but they had to specifically ban it because obviously it wasn't in the re-regs. The re-regs it was banned in with the 2021 regs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So also Pirelli have, have stopped all their... Um, 18-inch wheel testing that's cancelled for the rest of the year yes. obviously it's another well, year before I it starts cancel it the FIA uh, told them to cancel it yeah uh, and also it's now looking like we might get the regulations pushed back to 2023 yes. that's what the teams want there's some so, other changes though yes the uh, three-day end of season test at Abu Dhabi yes. is being replaced by a one-day young driver test that won't happen because there may be another race at that point. Yes. Uh, if the number of races falls to 14 or fewer, mm-hmm. the number of power units will fall. Yes. Also, we talked about They've been listening to us, haven't they? Uh, two engines, but- two MGUHs, two turbochargers, two energy stores, two uh, control electronics, and two MGUKs. If the number of races drops to 11 or fewer... Mm-hmm. Two engines, two MGUH, two turbochargers, one energy store, one controlled electronics, and two MGUKs. Yes, yeah, so also the interesting thing about power units. They've also um, imposed the shutdown on the engine manufacturing engine manufacturing plants as well. Yes, so that wasn't that um, doesn't really happen. Um, of course, because they didn't actually go actually turn a wheel on Friday morning in Aust- in Australia. None of the engines have been started. So when they come, when they finally start, they can have whatever engine they developed in the intervening seven months. So it hasn't got to be the version one they would have rolled out in, in Australia. So it, there'll be, a, I'm sure Mercedes reliability issues will be fully sorted out. Um, but yeah, so if we, when we do get going, which I'm sure we will at some point, um, which seems later all the time, uh, then yeah, we'll 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 we'll. we'll I'm guessing I think they'll be lucky to get 14 away, but let's see. Uh, the FIA has confirmed that uh, it now has the ability to change the calendar without teams voting on changes to the calendar. Huh? Uh, oh yes, yes, yeah, that does make sense. Yes, yes, absolutely. and um, any changes to the technical regulations no longer need uh, a. Uh, full 100% approval they can do it with uh, just six teams saying yes realistically all you need to do is just just block out a month in uh, in the uh, in the, in the uh, can, I, can I say Arabian Peninsula is that allowed I don't know yes in you the, can say Arabian yeah. Peninsula yes and you then can't you say the Persian go, Gulf apparently just go to all four of the grade one circuit just yeah, I, mean, I know two of them aren't officially Grand Prix anymore but you just go to <laughs> you just do Bahrain Abu Dhabi uh, Qatar and uh um, Dubai. Dubai, and you've got four races in four weeks with with no travelling, or well, fifty miles each time. Actually, you know what, Nick, that is a great idea, mm. and it's not as if there aren't uh, enough people who would bankroll that there. And there is currently because... uh, uh, no open border between Bahrain and the UAE, though. Yeah, but the, no. Do you mean Bahrain no, you, it's and Qatar, Qatar and the UAE? 
Because Qatar are upset with each other, with them at the moment, aren't they? Qatar has no uh, open borders with any of them at the moment. But no, Bahrain and the UAE has no open borders at the moment. Well, that means Bahrain must be on Qatar's side then. So they must be on between Bahrain and Qatar. Unless they've just locked no, themselves I down. No, I think they just locked down in Bahrain. Oh, so locked down. Oh, lock, no, lock, don't worry about that, because that, that'll be off by, by November. We Certainly have. money's involved. There, there is a political knockdown between, um, between the half, some of the Arab states and, and Qatar, yeah, because they, they've accused them of, of being too supportive of Iran in the past. Uh, the three-week uh, summer break, which we're currently in. Yeah, we're yes. in it now. Um, could be extended to the end of April. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just trying to... I think could even be extended into May, according to Christian Horner. Yeah, because they're trying to level the playing field because the Italian teams can't get back to normal. Um, and in fact, in many ways, actually, neither can the British teams now because they're also in... It's, you know, let's be realistic about this. We're going to be in isolation until the end of April as well. Now, obviously, you can do stuff virtually. Um, but the, I, I don't think... I don't think that under any circumstances, developing an F1 car is an essential uh, role. Um, though, obviously, some of the work they're doing on the side, which we'll talk about, is essential. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, the, the other news obviously today is that they're already talking about whether the, the British Grand Prix will, will go. There's actually three races well, between Wim- Wimbledon, Grand Prix. Wimbledon's being cancelled completely now, and that's the same time issues the British Grand Prix. So I think we can. Week later, yeah. Grand yeah Prix. I think we can pretty much say that the British Grand Prix is gone. Well, the thing is, you've got the. Um, from its, the from Cana- its date as it is at the yeah. moment. You've got the Canadian Grand Prix in the second week of June, and that's obviously gone. But then you've got the French Grand Prix at the back end of June, and the Austrian Grand Prix, I think, at the weekend, the crossover weekend into August. Um, sorry, July. So that means that you've, you've, those, those are going as well. So that, that would mean you'd lose the first, what, 11 rounds um, if the British Grand Prix goes. So, so that's half the season. Yeah. I mean, they can squeeze a lot in after that. Um, but I would have think they, I would have thought they would like to start by the British Grand Prix. Um, but what they'd like to do and what is, is physically possible is is difficult. You know, there's, you know, I mean, it's, it, the thing about the the thing about the, the the situation is that we all know it's changing on day day by day basis. We're still it's still getting worse at the moment. At some point. Probably not the too distant future. Next couple of weeks, it will stop getting worse and plateau out, and then hopefully it'll start to get better, and things will look very much very different. But you're still, you know, you're still saying, "Are you going to put on a major sporting event eight weeks after quarantine comes off?" And you're thinking it's probably pushing it a bit. Mm. Uh, you mentioned what the uh, teams we, we mentioned Project Pit Lane earlier on. Actually, um, it's been good to see uh, plenty of people who are very very clever brains the size of small. Uh, stellar constellations uh, that have been working hard to look at some um, opp- opportunities and options for designing gear, for for building gear, 3D printing uh, options, etc., etc. And uh, I mean, you know, fair play, they've done a good job. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, the the, the point about the, the the brains and the manufacturing process within. Uh, Formula One is you do have some of the finest designers of all elements of uh, mechanical engineering, be very basic, you know, bits of metal and struts, struts down to incredibly complex wiring and everything else. And because of the insistence that F1 has that every team does it all itself, you have a lot of these people concentrating in a very small area. And so when you say to them, right, now you can turn your brains to particular deal, a particular um, medical um, concept is not a bit, it's not a big leap because they are of course just mechanically trying to rather than trying to inject fuel or inject air into an engine they're trying to inject air into a person and it's and it's 
you know, that's where they were working on initially. Some of the rapid prototyping as well for masks and everything else. But the, you know, the major press release obviously been about a, uh, a CPAP machine, which is a continuous positive airway pressure machine, which has been developed. It's been in association with the University College London and, and the University College London Hospital. So not just Mercedes AMG, but they've obviously working in conjunction with the clinicians. Um, and they've invented a nice, a clever device, which means that you can actually uh, help patients to breathe without putting them into ICU. And obviously, there's a lot more hospital beds where you can plug in a air supply, which isn't a fully, you know, um, ICU. So it's, it's going to help uh, very, very much to keep the, the the patients healthy and not out and not fill the ICU side up. And apparently, they managed to do it in about 100 hours. Well, uh, and the um, not having to intubate people is very good. The longer you intubate with a tube down your throat to help you breathe, the longer that happens, the less good the outcome tends to be. And yeah. that's about the the extent of my uh, medical knowledge. But having had uh, um, my mother go through that uh, and recover, actually, uh, she uh, did keep telling us she was a medical miracle, in fairness. Uh, <laughs> Tim Gray, what else have you got for Nick? Uh, so that was uh, HPP, which is uh, the engine part of Mercedes Formula One team, uh, based at Brixworth, that did that. Well, oh, just around the corner. Good uh, for them. Meanwhile, McLaren uh, have been making some masks. Yes. Uh, in association with the University of Southampton. Uh, these are masks which combine with a fabric hood uh, and a plastic visor. Uh, with so a, it's a cabriolet, effectively. With a, with a small portable unit at the back, uh, which delivers clean air through a HEPA filter, which you might uh, recognise from your vacuum cleaner. It's genius, isn't it? I, I love how people have become... Well, there's, there's two things. I like the way the people have, have thought out of the box, literally, as well as metaphorically. I like the fact that uh, the uh, powers that be have had the sense to say because it was Fran Bleasdale, actually, about three weeks ago, who brought this up on Twitter. And there was a, 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 you know, and we all said, well, yeah, you know, let's get the minds at work on it. But absolutely rightly pointed out, there's an awful lot of hoops, Nick, that people have got to jump through to get these things uh, through... Homologation is what I was going to say yeah. there. No, that's no, not scrutineering that's not what, is more accurate. Well, yes, homologation and scrutineering, but but to, to get them to, to get them approved for use in medical in medical situations, and and rightly so. But 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 some of those things have been uh, like rapid prototyping. You know, there are ways to get things done a little bit quicker when needs must. So the Mercedes yeah. CPAP uh, that's passed its uh, um, its uh, homologation by the uh, MHRA uh, and is now in its uh, test phase with a hundred of them being used at University College Hospital in London um, wow. and uh, they'll uh, if they're happy with the clinical trials then that will go out across the UK. Seven uh, Formula One teams part of uh, Project Pit Lane by the way uh, Williams, Renault uh, Racing Point, McLaren Mercedes uh, and two others. A pro driver being involved in that as well. Yes, and Rolls Royce. Yes, really good, really, really good that the automotive industry as well as as motorsport has got behind that. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Uh, it's Series 15, Episode 13. Yes, it is April Fool's Day, but we're trying to uh, not 
goal there. There seems to be <laughs> enough of that going round. Uh, to be honest, Nick Dearman is with us. Any more Formula One for Nick? Oh, plenty. All right, Excellent. carry on. What is there not enough of in Formula One? Passing. Uh, I'll give you a clue. This uh, question comes from an interview that Fabrizio Giovinazzi gave to an Italian uh, website. Uh, Sorry, to a Dutch website. Italian Drivers. Italian Drivers is correct. Oh, very good. Uh, Do you know who the last Italian to win a Formula 1 race was, John? Um, Damon Milton Keynes. Okay. Giancarlo Fisichella. Yes, in 2006. Mm. There have, in in this millennium, there have been seasons with no Italian drivers, which you'd never had before. Which means, obviously, it wasn't the proper season. Those Um, don't count towards anything, do they? um, (laughs) Why why does Fabrizio Giovinazzi uh, say there are so few... Giovinazzi? Giovinazzi, yes. Not Fabrizio. Giovinazzi. Giovinazzi. Yeah. uh, Tested a Formula 1 car, never raced one. Mm. Uh, why does Giovinazzi uh, say there are so few Italian drivers these days? Is it a lack of interestingly titled and supply, strangely non-supplying pasta manufacturers? I suspect you're along the right lines. Yes, he, he, he says uh, the important thing in motorsport is money. You have to have a lot of money in order to get far in motorsport. Uh, well, I had to get yeah. a lot of money a number of times to get into Formula One, but finding that money is not possible for everyone, and it's especially a lot harder it... these days. Yes, it is. Yes, especially in Italy. Um, and it's not going to get any easier, is it? Let's be honest. No, but it's surprising because obviously Italy is an absolute powerhouse in the karting uh, world, yeah, um, which is a traditional first step. It, it, it appears to all go wrong um after that but of course you know they 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 have no issue in producing top line motorcycle riders some of whom um, eat poison meat but um (laughs) you know it's 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 you know the the motorcycle world is dominated by the italians and the spanish but so motor racing is that because valentino rossi is um has a bigger legacy and is more inspiring to young italians than say cesaris or gianni morbidelli we could go back to Giacomo Agostini. He couldn't be really with, with, with Italian motorcycle um, races. So Nino Farina, Alberto Ascari, though. Exactly. And I, and, I, and I think, no, I think it's a case that the, the, the ladder which comes out of Italy does not work particularly well. Has anybody that, missed, Nick? Have we missed any Italian drivers that could have, should have got to, to Formula One and didn't? Or, you know, spent a ridiculously short time in Formula One and then didn't really make their mark? Well, they, they, Davide Valsecchi um, won F3000 or F2 and then did nothing and just put on weight and became a commentator. And I'm never quite sure why he didn't do quite... Didn't. Very excitable Money. commentator, in fact. Final jump. But there's, there's, been, there's been a number of Italians who, you know, in F2, F3000, but, but they've not made that final leap. And, and you know, it's, it, obviously Antonio Giovinazzi has been picked up by the, um, the Ferrari youth team and, that, and that's... Yeah, uh, Luca Giotto last season finished third in... Uh... Formula 2. Um, and uh, Alex Caffey, Declan, uh, who we'll get back in in a moment, has just offered Alex Caffey. He was superb, made one wrong move, and that messed him up. Well, that's the story of many of drivers, isn't it? Um, I think it's an interesting situation. I think, yeah, the, the, like many European countries, um, yeah, they're, they're not rolling in cash. I mean, we have, you know, we've picked up some Canadians because some Canadian billionaires have turned up. 
Um, so you know, you need to find your Italian billionaire. You know, yeah. If you look at the, yeah, the, the, the genuinely not particularly rich people who are in F1, um, you know, recently are quite low. You know, uh, they've all had a bit. Of, you know, Lando's a lovely, lovely guy and a very good racer, but his dad's loaded. You know, and Lando's sort of my next story as well. Okay, let's uh, do this one quickly because he's going to shave. He is. His head. Oh, he's his head. Far too young to shave his face. Uh, yes, he's doing it for charity, isn't it? Well, we're for charity. I like to talk about it. Um, so he's just doing it for the NHS, isn't he? he says, or did he lose some sort of bet or something, some sort of challenge on F1? He lost it, so he's got to shave his head. Uh, he's raised, I believe, £12,000. I, I could offer to do mine, which I do on a fairly re- regular basis, but I don't think I'd raise £12,000. No. £12? Mm. I might give you £12. Oh, but it will go now. <sighs> We might work on that in the coming months. Uh, we haven't, why haven't we met? We, Tim, have you got any more F1 stories? We've not mentioned the biggest F1 story of, of the year, of the you, week. You're going to have to do this very quickly. We're running out of time. What? Well, I have to, what? The, the, the COVID party? The COVID camp? Yeah, but that, was, that wasn't news, so we deliberately didn't uh, do it, because actually it's turned out that that uh, was something he said uh, over a month ago. And uh, Red Bull have uh, debunked the whole thing this week, so... Uh, I can't possibly he may have said it, because it's the sort of thing Helmut would say, and it's just become very politically incorrect for it to come out now, but I can't help feeling that a journalist wouldn't have sat on it for a month. Well, let's... OK, I'm going to very quickly summarise this. If you haven't seen it, Helmut Marko suggested that he's two uh, Formula One drivers... No, not his two Formula One drivers, his four, four Formula One drivers... Sorry, his four... F- uh, well, and yeah. his super Formula drivers and his Formula Three drivers. Well, yes, I wasn't quite finished there. His two Formula One drivers, his two standby drivers and every other drivers all go in a camp and deliberately get themselves infected so that they have some immunity, uh, but quite missing out on the fact that in the meantime they could die. Uh, which, um, but when seemed... we were young, we had chicken pox parties, and we could have died from those. So no, the we never did. Death on chicken pox is not quite at the same level. <laughs> still, a, still a fatal virus. Uh, anyway, uh, that's all we need to say uh, about that. You listen to Midweek Motorsport. It is uh, coming up to oh, it's ten two already. Uh, quickly. Missing Racing. We've been talking about Missing Racing tonight. Chris Ring says, um, almost sunny Cornwall today. Motorsport films and documentaries uh, helping me not go too crazy during this lockdown. Uh, and now have every episode of Wacky Races to watch. I'm going to award F1 scoring and see who wins any guesses. I think it's going to be the Rock Brothers. Uh, Stone Brothers, isn't Stone it? Stone Brothers, Rock and Gravel. Yeah. Absolutely. But we've already done that in the past, haven't we? Yeah. Although maybe not with the current Formula 1 scoring system. Uh, exactly. You know, the old Might system. Change. The current system. Yeah, there are. There uh, are which, there are... which is the only uh, Wacky Races car that never won a race? Uh, that, that would be Dick Dassley, the double zero. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, Even Dave... that one time he didn't cheat. Yes. Dave Olcott says, what a great interview with Dario. We'll have to find the legend sim race that took part. It sounds amazing. It's going to be a superb series. Uh, Chris Suku uh, also filling his time watching reruns of old events. Uh, John Skeldon says, I'm going to work. I'm self-employed and all and run a garage. John, where are you in the country? And 
can you do MOTs? Because I know that you don't need MOTs for six months. But even so, John, let us know where you are and we'll publicise that because there's nothing better than knowing that there's a garage open somewhere uh, near uh, as well. Uh, Phil says, uh, I understand the sentiment to get motorsport events behind closed doors. Um, but the... Um, uh, he said the only cramped stand for the WEC at Silverstone is the pit lane straight for the start. So if you shut that one, you could spread people out in the stands. Yeah, I know, but it just gets difficult, doesn't it? There were some cars on track last week at a behind-closed-doors test. Yeah, absolutely. This is for Super Formula. They did two days of testing at Suzuki. Uh, sorry, at Fuji. Um, and basically on day one, it was uh, Rio Hirakawa for Team Umpel, who was fastest. And on day two, it was uh, Nirai Fukuzimi for Dandelion Racing. OK. Um, seems reasonable. Uh, and Honda basically having a day each there. Sam Pierce says, same as most, lots of wonderful random YouTube rediscovering 4-7 uh, and then racing, uh, placing to, uh, tempted to dig out PlayStation and Talker. I could knock up a sim base, he says, with some box steel and a welder. I like all that. Can I can I just say something, John? Um, can I ask all of our viewers, all of our listeners, not to tune into our private and secret uh, video we're doing next tomorrow at half past six? Half past six UK, UK time. That is nobody yep. look at that. None no, of it's them. a test. It's a, it's a test. We're not right. we're just don't, don't do it. Uh, on RT Racing TV on YouTube. It's a test. Please don't watch. All right. Um, and before we get Dex back, uh, if you're missing IMSA racing, uh, everybody is. Send some quarantining activities on whatever that means send us some video uh, send us some video that we can watch at work not those uh, videos we're not going it. to work though so stop it tell us what you're doing show us what you're doing while you're quarantined and we'll have some of the imsa radio team call it uh, it's uh, at uh, at imsa radio please and the hashtag is play by play life okay hashtag play by play life uh, at IMSA Radio, please. And uh, we'll do some voicing of that. Uh, Dex has fired a few things to me recently to to VO, including um, a, a very lovely video of a Rebel Rock Racing Camaro uh, winning on Gran, uh, uh, Gran Turismo, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Gran Turismo, wasn't it, Dex, that uh, you said? It was. Me? And, and then you were kind enough to voice it, and it blew my mind that it was... It was, it was John, I know everybody is aware that, that you're very good at your job, but uh, sometimes uh, one forgets or takes you for granted. And what you did up for that video, which my clients were very happy about, is uh, was quite simply remarkable. Um, and, the, uh, hence, I'm remarking on it. Uh, um, <laughs> Sardinia, a relatively new track uh, in Gran Turismo, came up on uh, the 2019 Gran Turismo Sport, didn't it? Uh, it yes. came up. Amongst the windmills of Sardinia. Um, there are windmills in Sardinia? There are, yes. I was supposed to go to Sardinia to a motor race in 2004 and it was cancelled because the local bin men were on strike and because uh, <laughs> the race was supposed to be on public roads, uh, they they uh, thought it uh, was a bad idea to hold a sporting event there. Hang on. I would, have thought, I, I would have thought it absolutely negated the any chance... Of the road, the race is on public roads. It completely negated any chance of there being any injuries to bin men during the event if they were on strike. Or bin bin motors coming the other way, and it saved you having to put out um, uh, uh, straw bales because there was, you know, bags, bags of, of rubbish, rubbish and, and 
really bins around. Yes. Anyway, Declan, I've got you back, and we've got uh, Nick back as well, or we're keeping Nick as well for the moment. Um, our Twitter talking point tonight, which seems evenly split between the listenership, is what they've been doing. Are they watching sim racing, or are they... Uh, are they watching or taking part in sim racing or are they going uh, and looking in the archive? Um, what's happening as far as sim racing or on TV and streaming? Um, it, you know, big weekends in the first few weekends of it. The two big American series in particular are uh, 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 on TV in the US and IndyCars just moved to NBC, I noticed. Um, what, what's happening? Is it sustaining an audience? Uh, that's a good question. It's hard to know. It, it, sustaining would be unfair to even uh, use as a uh, as a description at this point, purely because we are we're still early days. Like NASCAR's event, which was the Texas race, effectively, was the first one that they ran on both Fox and Fox Sports One. Although it picked up because it was on Fox on the network. It picked up 1.339 million viewers, which is pretty good. It's without question the highest ever esports event of any sort ever ever yeah, broadcast yeah, yeah, on yeah. television. Uh, IndyCar yeah, anywhere. Uh, I believe it's definitely the highest in the US. IndyCar to date, when you when you take in all the reviews, uh, I don't know what the live number was. I think the live number was in the 70,000s, but they there are 237,000 views of their. IndyCar event on the official IndyCar channel. Uh, IMSA's total to date for, for the viewing of the Sebring event on iRacing is 81,000, which is pretty healthy. That's right. Uh, you look at something like uh, DC's event, Darren Cox's event, at We The Race, the All-Star Battle Round 3, 95,000 viewers on YouTube, which is pretty good considering that that is obviously not a, a event that is reliant on the marketing power on the platform of a major series so that's that is pretty strong but then you come to MotoGP which brought in most of their star the only real marquee name that was missing well uh, Davi was missing and, and Rossi uh, was missing uh, they had a number of other top guys like they had both Marcus brothers Fabio Quattararo Alex Rins they had good guys they had huge numbers 572,000 on YouTube uh 482,000 on Facebook. The highlights got 136,000 on on uh, on on Facebook alone. Uh, and then it add motors. They also broadcast that race on MotoGP's esports channel, and that got 188,000 views on its own. So, can, so can the I numbers are pretty interject? big. Can I inject here, just yes. for my knowledge? Ignore Facebook numbers. They mean nothing. Oh yeah. Well, yes. Well, yes. We um, yeah. Because they. I'll tell you why. I've been rerunning old RC events. Uh, and one of them went minorly viral and had 700,000 views. That's a replay, replay of a 2015 event. Excellent. <laughs> it's Facebook numbers. Numbers and views of Facebook mean nothing. The other numbers, well, the YouTube, Declan, super strong. Carry on. Sorry. Yeah, the YouTube numbers are, are, are very, very strong. And particularly this, was, this wasn't this was the same. This is because this is not a simulation in MotoGP. They're running uh, uh, They're running uh, on uh, console. And it was a... It was hilarious at one point. It, basically, Fabio Quattararo was a wrecking ball. He was very funny. And Alex Marquez won something, which won't happen again this year once uh, <laughs> we start racing again. But uh, so, so it's hard to know. I, I think IndyCar's numbers are going to go up because they're going to be on television. I, if they're if they're smart, uh, and I just hope that we don't see this dumb situation where the network 
once category or you know a platform well, that's, that's, that's madness yeah that is it where, is. that down that road madness lies but if so it'll be interesting to see where indycar goes next week uh once it goes onto the network and they've got scott dixon involved uh i must say uh my favorite uh headline comes from matt weaver from this from <laughs> this is auto week uh he, his tweet from March 29th, recap results and highlights. Timmy Hill Racer takes a 12-year-old Logitech G Sport G27 attached to an office desk to victory in the second eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Race at Texas Motor Speedway. Because that conjures up such magnificent visions of a desk beating racing cars, which of course is not the case. But, but he literally had... desk, so... Uh, <laughs> no, but, but, but it's the equivalent decks, isn't it? Of somebody taking that was a that was a NASCAR event, wasn't it? It yeah. was, yeah. That was the big yeah. one. That was the, he won the Texas event, yeah. Right. So, With a, so that's that's the equivalent of somebody going to one eight hundred Petty B Petty, taking one of their cars from fifteen years ago and winning the Daytona five hundred with it. <laughs> do you have? Um, sorry, do you have the full results for that race, uh, Declan? I haven't got them in front of me right this second, no. Because uh, b- before it started, uh, Matt Benedetto tweeted, uh, ever since I was a young boy, I've wanted to race in my pants, and uh, today <laughs> I get the chance. I want to know where he finished and whether it was an advantage oh. for him or not. I don't think he was on. The, he was one of the, one of the drivers he... they had on screen. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Oh, by the way, Timmy Hill only had one screen as well. He's, he was running on a little monitor. Like, yeah, I know. I saw pictures of the setup. It was outstanding, mate. It literally was like an old school school desk, a, a wooden office desk. Uh, like I say, it's like somebody taking a 15, 20-year-old race car and going into somewhere and, and whooping everybody with it. It was magnificent. I will say something. I will, I will say something, though. Uh, uh, NASCAR needs to be careful. Uh, these broadcasts are like a couple of hours long, yeah. and the races are shorter, and they're really good. And they're really making me interested in, in stock car racing again. And suddenly I realized that's why, because the races are really short for stock car races. And uh, and it's just, it's it's obviously, uh, you know, they reset, the, the, they don't have as many cautions. It's it, But uh, it the, is a, they, don't, they don't have stage racing, do they? No, thank goodness. Uh, uh, no and, stage racing. Well, it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a lot of... They're just making a rod for their back in some respect. What does this mean going forward, Dex? Both in the in the sim world and in the um, what does this mean in the sim world and potentially what does it mean for the real world? Because the other thing is um, that a lot of these events are covered without any ad breaks. Dex, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. I am. Yes, I am. yeah, that that will be interesting because they they did take breaks in the in the broadcast, obviously. Yeah, because because you know when you're dealing with with numbers that at that size, you can sell advertising, and therefore you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, what they what will be interesting to see is how they they promote the Thursday night on, or is it Wednesday? Uh, the no, what what night is it? NASCAR has has their basically their Coca Cola series that they've been running. It'll be really interesting to see how they begin to promote that if the eyeballs really begin to grow for that as a live event. And so we have to keep our eye on that uh, and to see whether or not uh, they uh, they start to treat it like uh, regular 
uh, regular television program because it is going that series is going onto Fox Sports One midweek now. That's yeah. the plan, which All right. is really interesting. I do think the TV companies in the states are missing a trick if they uh, absolutely demand exclusivity and don't stream it across the world because people are expecting that and there'll be a backlash uh, on that if that happens. Dex, Nick, thank you very much indeed. Uh, we didn't even have time to get Shea Adam on tonight to Dario. We also didn't have time for the uh, news in Spanish either. Oh, I can hold that over time. And our NASCAR story that we held over from last week is uh, going to come back next week. Excellent. It's it's another big comeback like Mike De, um, like Matt De Benedetto. Also uh, next week. Yeah. Uh, in order to fill these shows, because we're really struggling, aren't we? Yeah, obviously. Uh, we are going to continue uh, with uh, Play Your Cards Right. So the third of the quarterfinals will take place uh, on next week's show. If we've got time. If we've got time. Well, we've got the contestants lined up. Right, so. there, there, might, there might be news next week. So, you know, if we there can squeeze, squeeze that in. Thanks to Ryan DL, to John DeGeese and to Dario. Our guest coming to you, uh, courtesy of the letter D. It's a big Thursday starting at 8 o'clock on RS1 uh, with the guys from the Torah Radio Show. They'll be looking back in detail at the weekend's action and bringing you up to date with all of the online racing news. And that's followed up by Richard Creel, Tony Rebetti and the rest of the On The Grid team who'll be taking an Australian look at their motorsport and motorsport across the world. There's no time to explain. Join us next week when the Llama will be back in virtual reality. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.